Hi, this is Lowell. And I am Aiden. And this is I Read the News Today. Oh boy. We are not journalists. Pundits. Or glass blowers, but we do read the news. And we're here to talk about the shit that's going on. So, Aiden, we talked about a whole lot of Democratic candidates mm-hmm. last week and what outlandish and completely different topic are we talking about this week? So we're going to talk about a Republican candidate. Oh, uh, oh, 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 okay. What were you going for? Well, no, I mean, no, that makes sense. Uh, I just thought we would, you know, diversify a little bit, uh, you know, change things up, do something new. But more candidates. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. more Sounds candidates. Good. Yeah, I mean, it's Republican, so it's got to be completely different. It's diverse in that it's a different party. Oh, that's fair. There are many different types of diversity, Lowell. There are. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Racial yeah. diversity, religious diversity, economic diversity. And you and I have none. Um, <laughs> tell me more. Republican candidate. Oh, me. Oh, my. I thought that we already had our Republican candidate. How on earth are we having a primary with an incumbent? So that always happens? Um, oh. Yeah, so Barack Obama had primaries in 2012. Who Who is on the ticket? Him. Oh, I see. Yeah. So what's different about this one? So this one is different because um, Donald Trump already has a challenger from his own party. Okay. Yeah. So uh, tell me a bit about this challenger. So his name is William Weld. Um, William Weld. Yes. Um, I'm probably going to start calling him Bill Weld. Well, I, as, as most people seem to call him Bill Weld, I think that's probably uh, advisable. Yeah. Um, so he, I guess, most notably was the governor of Massachusetts for two terms in okay. um, the 1990s. So he was governor of Massachusetts from 1991 to 1997. I took some notes on kind of his career and his electoral history. So he, he's he's got kind of a interesting sort of career. So the first thing that I took note of is one of his first positions. He served as counsel to the United States House Judiciary Committee during the Watergate impeachment inquiry. Um, One of his colleagues in that position was a young attorney um, whose name was Hillary Rodham. Hillary Rodham? Yes. Never heard of her. You have indeed. Oh, 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 Hillary Rodham Clinton? Well, at that time she was Hillary Rodham. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It sounds more familiar now. Yes. Um, he first ran for, ran for elected office as he ran for Massachusetts attorney general in 1978. He did not win. And then he ran for governor of Massachusetts in probably 1990 was when the election was actually held. Yep. Yeah. And then he won, he served two terms as governor of Massachusetts. After that, he uh, challenged John Kerry in the 1996 United States Senate election in Massachusetts. He did not win. Okay. And then he moved to New York State in 2000, and he ran for governor in 2006. He did not win the Republican primary. That That is called carpetbagging. Uh, go on. How, so when a candidate moves, moves to, to a new state. Yeah. yeah I mean, a uh, recent example is Scott Brown. So after he lost to Elizabeth Warren yeah. um, for Senate, he moved to New Hampshire and ran for oh, I didn't uh, know I that. governor of New Hampshire. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. But yes, uh, carpetbagging, I believe, came into common use when the Northerners, uh, after the Civil War, a lot of Northerners moved to the South to to take positions in Southern states. Yes. I didn't know if you were going to do a joke one there. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That was serious. Yeah, okay. no, yeah, I, yeah. I, You're I, right. You're I right. know history. Yeah. It's, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he ran for vice president in 2016 on the Libertarian Party ticket with Gary Johnson. Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of his... His the back of his baseball card. 
Yeah, you made a good point. There is always a primary for yeah. both parties, but it seems uh, a little bit strange to have a contender yes. in an incumbent primary. Yeah, it's I mean, it, it's it's a little bit like running for president as a mayor. So we don't have a ton of data on it just because the modern primary system yeah. only goes back to the 70s. Yes. So it's happened really three times. Would you care to tell me what those? What those yes. Are? So um, in 1976, Gerald Ford was the president um, taking office after Nixon resigned from Watergate. And he had a strong challenger uh, from Ronald Reagan. Okay, who, I've heard of him. Yeah, he was. He had served as the governor of California, and he ran against Gerald Ford and mounted a pretty serious challenge. Uh, the next one was 1980. Jimmy Carter was president, and he faced a challenger in the Democratic primary from Ted Kennedy, who I believe at the time was the senator from Massachusetts, a position he would hold up until his death. Um, and that was a that went to the convention technically, um, and. Ted Kennedy couldn't get the necessary support of the convention. So then after that was 1992, when George H.W. Bush was president, he faced a primary challenge from Pat Buchanan. And also I took note, there were a couple of other candidates in this race as well. Former Louisiana State Representative David Duke ran for the nomination as well. Ah, did not win, thank God. Um, yes. The other one was Harold Stassen. Now, are you familiar with Harold Stassen at all? No. Harold Stassen is, he was basically Ralph Nader before Ralph Nader. Well, you know, no one's done Nader like Nader. He's considered to be one of the most notable perennial candidates in United States history. Yeah. So 1992 was Harold Stassen's last presidential campaign. It was following up on his campaigns in 1964, 1968, 1976, 1980, 1984, 1988. What happened after 1988? Well, he ran in 1992 and then he stopped running. Is he still alive? No, he died in 2001. So there, he still had plenty of elections that he could have gone in. He did, but um, yeah, by that time, he would have been approaching the age of 100. You know, that's probably a good reason. When he ran in 1992, he was, I believe, 85. That's pretty old. Yeah. And then I took note, so um, Bill Clinton in 1996 didn't have a serious challenger in the Democratic primary, but he did face token opposition from an incarcerated fringe candidate named Lyndon LaRouche. He too is now dead. Yeah, the, the now late Lyndon LaRouche. Lyndon LaRouche being uh, founder of the... The LaRouche movement. Yeah, var variously described as uh, uh, maybe a political, a political movement or some sort of a cult. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on with And LaRouche. Lyndon LaRouche did win a few delegates from Arkansas in that election, but they were barred from the convention. And then I took note the last time that a incumbent president didn't win his party's nomination was 1884, when Chester A. Arthur, who took office after James Garfield was assassinated, lost the Republican nomination to former Speaker of the House James G. Blaine. Of note, here is the modern political primary process didn't exist. Yeah. So it's not really an example of losing a primary in the way that we know it now. Yeah. Also, Chester A. Arthur famously said that he thought that he might, um, because of his health, he thought that he might die during his second term. So he did not mount any kind of a serious campaign for a second term. And he, he called did, his shot. He did yes. die in the... Uh, in 1886. Yeah, so that would have been two years into his second term. Yeah. So one thing that I want to point out is it sounds like you're saying that none of, in, in the modern primary system, none of the challengers have won the nomination. None of the challengers have won the nomination, but... 
how did the uh, how did the incumbents fare in in those? Uh, so 1992, races? 1980, and 1976 are also the last three presidential elections in which an incumbent president lost re-election. Yeah. So there is a sort of idea that a sitting president who faces a primary challenger will have a will have less of a shot at winning the general election. Yeah. And that now that Bill Well has entered the race, that is we're sort of t- testing whether that becomes a more more of a rule in modern um, American politics. Now, we did read an article, another article that happened to be from 538 and happened you you happen to found, find another article by brother of a friend Nathaniel Rakich and this article is titled Do you how, think he's listening maybe someday who knows but uh it's called how much trouble would could Bill Weld cause Trump in the 2020 GOP primary the main point in it is that you know there's very little chance that Weld will win yeah but it, Weld could serve as a very good litmus test for whether or not Trump will have serious difficulty beating a Democratic challenger in the general. Yeah, Um, and just one thing that is different about, um, and I think the 538 article highlights this, so different about Bill Weld than any of the three previous contenders is Bill Weld is challenging Donald Trump from the center of the Republican Party, which is not the case for the previous um, three. Ronald Reagan was to the right of Gerald Ford, Ted Kennedy was to the left of Jimmy Carter, and Pat Buchanan was to the right of George H.W. Bush. So it's just a little, it's a little kind of quirk, too. Yes, absolutely. The one other thing that this article points to is that Mr. Rakich believes New Hampshire is the the first place that we're really going to be able to see whether or not there is a major swell of people who would support someone over Trump. But for the most part, as far as polling can tell, New Hampshire is still pretty happy with Trump. And yeah. the fact that that's the case makes it seem like Bill Weld will probably disappear pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if Bill Weld can't take New Hampshire, I don't think that he has really a chance to to even show a weakness in the in the Trump campaign. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. And I mean, another thing is there are potentially two to three additional Republicans who could mount a challenge or talking about mounting a challenge to Donald Trump, uh, yep. being Larry Hogan, the governor of Maryland, John Kasich, the former governor of Ohio, and Jeff Flake, the former senator from Arizona. And so I guess my question for you is, what does the fact that these people are running say about the Republican party right now. So I think it's particularly the fact that Weld is mounting a challenge from the center. And um, this article that we found from the New Republic does a good job of illustrating this point. It's called In Praise of Bill Weld, A Decent Republican by Kevin Mankin. Yes. Yeah. Tell me more about it. It talks about Weld being a different kind of Republican than Donald Trump is and sort of a he would be a return to the previous style of governance that the Republican Party had. Like the Republican Party was historically extremely powerful in the Northeast and New England, and that has diminished significantly over the past 30 or so years. We hear a lot about, I think, divisions in the Democratic Party between the sort of centrist wing and the more 
the more liberal Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren type wing of the party. But that is really the case in the Republican Party as well. There are, in the wake of Donald Trump's election, there were certain prominent Republicans who made a point of publicly leaving the party. Uh, One that I can think of off the top of my head is Steve Schmidt, who was, he managed Sarah Palin's campaign in 2008. And Donald Trump was too much for him, apparently. Sarah Palin was, you know, just the right levels, yeah. but then Donald Trump was too populist. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and th- there's among those people who have left the party or, or who have publicly broken with Trump, there's a desire to return to the old style of Republican governance. Okay. So, And this is also not the only article that I've read about Bill Weld that refers to his campaign as quixotic, which I really like. Yes. Uh, there's also a very good line in the same paragraph that says that other potential Republican challengers, John Kasich, Larry Hogan, and Jeff Flake, have all muttered about launching anti-Trump campaigns of their own, quote, like so many nerds vowing to confront their high school bully after one more drink. I just found that to be such a... I mean, it's a good line, and it... It has particular relevance to Jeff Flake, who has very publicly sparred with Donald Trump. Yes. So yeah. John Kasich also ran against Donald Trump. Yeah, John Kasich ran ran against him, and he was the only competitor to to officially still be in the race as of the Republican National Convention. Was he still in yes. the race at that time? Oh, cool. He was he was the only one who who would not endorse Trump mm. in any way and wouldn't wouldn't back out of the race until all the votes were counted. Even though he didn't have any chance, yeah. he just on principle would not allow himself to be seen as endorsing Trump in any and way. And he is another – actually all of the f- folks on this list have the reputations of being more moderate than Donald Trump. So they would all be challengers coming from the center. Which we we talked a little bit about it before we were recording. I, I think that it would be hard – you'd be hard-pressed to find a challenger – from further to the right, who wasn't pretty happy with Donald Trump's performance so yeah. far, anyway. So I think that talking about further to the right than yeah, it's Donald unlikely Trump is, that there's going to be a, a challenger from the right. You you would have to be a truly devout fascist. Uh, yeah, and Topher Grace himself, David Duke, <laughs> um, seems pretty happy. Pre- with, seems seems yeah. pretty content. Pretty happy with uh, Trump's performance so far. I I love that that might be the defining memory of Topher Grace for all time uh, is. It might be, I, I, I don't know if anyone was as struck by it as I was. Because if you remember when we were when we were watching that movie, I was laughing uncontrollably yes. when Topher Grace first graced the screen. Overall, is the fact that there is a challenger to Donald Trump, does that actually affect his campaign? Do you think he's even going to... Do you think that he's even going to address the Republican challenger or do you think he's just going to keep his eye on the Democrats and and assume that he has the nomination? I would think that he's probably going to do the latter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Unless unless any campaign picks up in a meaningful way. Yeah. I think that if he has two challengers, if – any of those three, Kasich, Hogan, or Flake comes in, then he has to start actually defending him himself from, but that, from both sides. So that's this is what I was going to say is either whatever happens, there are going to be primaries. Like there are yes. going to be votes cast between Donald Trump and Bill Weld at this point. Do you believe that they 
Republican National Committee is going to set up debates? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's very unlikely. But to your point, if let's say John Kasich and Larry Hogan both get in, that's going to dilute the vote of the non-Trump candidates. That's true. So that I don't think more candidates getting in necessarily makes Trump weaker. That's a very good point. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we saw in the 2016 primaries that Trump got to where he was, is that he had a lot of people that yeah. he could, that could dilute the vote mm-hmm. and also a lot of fodder for people who he could make fun of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back to Bill Weld specifically, I don't remember which article, we have quite a few articles open now. I don't remember which article talked about him being the kind of last of his breed. That's um, probably New Republic. The title of that article is In Praise of Bill Weld, a Decent Republican. The subheading says the, the former Massachusetts governor who's challenging Trump in 2020 is one of the last of his species. Oh, uh, that's it. Yes. Down at the bottom, in the last paragraph, it refers to Weld as the last Rockefeller Republican. So Bill Weld is what my dad has called, uh, when I've argued with him about politics, a Massachusetts Republican. Mm-hmm. These are Republicans that that believe in in limited government, but not necessarily small government. They believe in a very fiscally conservative world, but they are fairly open to a lot of different social liberties. And that's what the New Republic article says. Yes. Um, The lesson was clear. This is um, basically following Welt's two terms as Massachusetts governor and his unsuccessful campaign for the Senate against John Kerry. He says the lesson was clear. Massachusetts liberals were willing to vote for local Republicans because it makes them feel open-minded and fiscally responsible. But those same politicians find it impossible to move up in the world because of the state of the broader GOP. Yes. And for example, he, again in this article, ahead of the 1996 presidential election, conservative pundits like Williams Safire shot him come hither glances only to worry that he was pro-choice and soft on gays. Mm -hmm. So- there is there is this sense that he and and other northeastern republicans are not necessarily of the same type as republicans from other parts of the country yeah now the question that i've often asked is does it make sense to still use that name republican and i th- i think that yes and no i think that there's, I mean, you and I are not going to. This is another thing we're not going to be able to. Change. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's not about. It's not about change. It's about. Uh, well, it's, I, honestly, it's something that gets me very annoyed. Is the idea of the Republicans as the party of Lincoln? Yes, exactly. And I think that. And and he he says. And that, yeah, that's. He has he has quite a few quotes. One quote that Bill Weld has said is that. He wants to have the United States and the Republican Party return to the principles of Lincoln, equality, dignity, and opportunity for all. Mm-hmm. So you have an opposition to the concept of the Republicans billing themselves as the party of Lincoln. Yeah. Go on. It's it's technically correct, but the parties have shifted so much in the 150 years since the Civil War that to claim that the party still represents the ideas of Abraham Lincoln, I think is disingenuous. I think that the mixed concept that I have here is that I agree with you. I think that the National Republican Party 
does not reflect the values of Lincoln. And I think that that's in part what Bill Weld is saying. Mm -hmm. I think that, again, my father has referred to uh, for many years as a Massachusetts Republican, believes that the Republican Party still can symbolize that. They believe that the that they are a little pocket of the world that still believes in those mm-hmm. values within the Republican Party. My question is, does it make sense to try to fit a Northeast Republican Party into a national Republican Party? And I think that that's what Bill Weld is going to have to contend with. I, I think that this is going to be evidence that his campaign is going to be evidence that there is a difference mm-hmm. between a Republican Party in a liberal state and the majority of the Republican Party nationally. Yeah, and I think the your your father's way of putting it, a Massachusetts Republican, is a, a good way of putting it uh, because who's currently the governor of Massachusetts? Exactly. We have Charlie Baker who worked for Bill Weld when mm-hmm. Bill Weld was was governor. And there is this concept of a Republicans who have been both representatives like Scott Brown and have been governors, several governors ever, ever since uh, Bill Weld became governor in Massachusetts, have been Republicans. There's only been one stretch of time since 1990 when Bill Weld uh, was elected where Deval Patrick was governor, That and he's been the only Democrat governor to fill in that period. Mitt Romney, what Mitt Romney managed to do was be what I, what I think would fit this Massachusetts Republican mold while he was governor of Massachusetts. And then as soon as he went to the national stage, I think that he said, okay, now I'm, now I'm playing the big leagues. I'm going to be a Republican Republican. Mitt Mitt Romney was definitely billed as a moderate Republican when he was governor. He he was. And I think that he did get intentionally shift more conservative once he ran for president. But that tend, I mean, that tends to be the case with both parties is with, within the, the, I mean, it's 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 a little quirk of what the, the way that the primary system tends to work is that Democrats in the primaries tend to run left, Republicans tend to run right, and then there's a process during the general election where whichever candidate is kind of has to reverse that to a certain extent yeah. to appeal to the larger country. I think that it's also interesting that Bill Weld was really the person who started this move to a concept of the Massachusetts Republican in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. He was the first Republican to become governor of Massachusetts in 20 years because he was a, 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 in some ways, a new form of Republican. The Northeast and New England for about a century was very Republican Mm -hmm. following Lincoln. Then there was a very large shift in the policy of each of these parties, which I'm sure that maybe someday we'll talk about that that specific detail in more depth. Mm -hmm. But after that, really Massachusetts voted blue entirely for 20 years Mm -hmm. for every single position following the Kennedys. Bill Weld was the person who kind of changed that. Mm -hmm. So... The fact that Bill Weld is now trying to do the same thing nationally, I think that that's really it. I think that he's trying to create 
a, a recreate a portion of the Republican Party nationally mm -hmm. that would have these have similar values. Yeah. Personally, I think that that's a positive because I think that the Republican Party has gone off the rails. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to succeed, though, because I think that it is. Well, and again, more than one article that I've read has described his campaign as quixotic. Exactly. It's it, it is chasing windmills. Yeah. Because sadly, I think that a lot of the Republican base is motivated by hatred and fear, more fear than hatred, I think. But. As uh, George Lucas would say, one breeds the other, to quote the prequels. Is that, is that from the Star Wars? Yeah, that's from, from them prequels. Okay. Yoda said uh, something I don't, I don't like know that. the prequels as well as I know the, the original. Lucky you. I think we've covered it. I think that we've gotten a good idea of Bill Weld, his goals. No, I mean, honestly, I think it's, I th I think it's something I'd be very interested in checking into at a later date. I think it's good to talk about it at this point just because it's his campaign is in the infancy yeah and we'll see this might this may very well be the only time we talk about him because he may drop out without anything interesting happening yeah or he may like ted kennedy make it to the republican convention in 2020 without the nomination being totally secure i think that's a long shot but yeah it could happen i would love to see a moderate section of the Republican Party be rebuilt, but it just seems so decimated at this point. It just seems unrepairable. Yeah. At least, at least, maybe even our, in in our lifetimes, different parts of the country are moving in such opposite directions. I find it hard to see the the country as a whole moving back to the middle. I hope that it does. Personally, I prefer moderate politics than anything else but i it, it's a hard time to be a moderate yeah yeah i mean it's 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 a discussion we can have at a later date but there's a little bit of a similar thing happening in the the democratic primary as well right now between the sort of sanders wing and the more joe biden type candidates yeah we're going to be playing all of this out you know over the next year and a half mm -hmm. seeing if there's still ground to stand on for moderate politicians, mm -hmm. we'll find out. Yeah. So is it getting weird up in here? We're actually moving to a brand new section. Okay. Of our show. All right. This is a twist. Uh, I don't know about Lowell's monkey madness. Okay. So this is this is a real good monkey. Okay. Am I supposed to click on? You're, you're going to click on that link. Okay, should I? Should yeah. I, it's a, it's should a, I already have clicked on it? Oh, you go ahead. Go okay. ahead. Yes, yes. Okay, insanely... My God. Yes, so this is a pretty fucking crazy, insanely muscular monkey spotted in Finland. He's a big old monkey. You can see him uh, at New York Post. Just look up insanely muscular monkey spotted in, in Finland. I think you'll find it. I'm not totally sure, and this might not reflect well on me, but I might think this is a picture of a dog if you didn't tell me that it was a monkey. That does not reflect great on you, but it is... Well, yeah, if I look at it, it's like monkey hands and his monkey face it's monkey face looks, he looks a little dog so like sad yeah he looks so sad well he's but steroids he's so have a lot of depression buff. related side effects he is so buff i just wanted you to see this monkey i think he's really the best monkey on the world in the world right now i think that like i'm gonna find another monkey in like a day your but, list of best monkeys in the world is a tough list to crack oh i love myself some monkeys i i think that we're going to 
I'm, I'm going to start a regular segment where I pick up some some articles about some crazy shit that monkeys are doing because okay. I'm seeing a lot of that. We talk about people. We talk about dogs. We talk about cats. We talked about cat dog in the last episode. Now we need to talk about monkeys. That's where it's at. We touched on cat dog. We, we, yeah, we didn't we touched talk on about cat dog. Anyway, uh, that is all for, okay. for our monkeys this week. For new, more news on monkeys, you can go to the Tumblr. I love monkeys, monkeys, is monkeys. Is still active? At, uh, of course it's still – well, it hasn't posted anything in a while, but I love monkeys, monkeys, monkeys.tumblr.com. You can find out uh, more about monkeys. And with that, I think that we can go into our break section okay. before we go into the weird article. All right. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to I Read the News today. Oh, boy. Please, if you would do us the honor of rating and reviewing on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are listening to what we are saying to you – um, it would be such, such help for Aiden's terrible, terrible kidney disease. Yeah. He, he needs, he needs all the ratings and reviews. Otherwise the doctor will not operate. It's a really unusual type of dialysis. Yes. It, it's based on love. Yeah. Uh, so if you could also please send us weird and funny news articles on, at our Twitter which the handle is at Newsoboy. That's N E W S O H B O Y. You think that's why no one's been tweeting us? No, no, they didn't know how to spell it. Thank you. That's a good point. And our email, newsoboy at gmail.com. That's N E W S O H B O Y at gmail.com. Thank you. And if you do send us articles, you will be mentioned on the show. And thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate your your ears and and the way you use them. And now, back to the rest of the show. We are now going to be listening to each other talk about a weird news article. All right. Should I try that again? No. Okay, that's great. Yeah, let's roll with it. Yeah. Can you read that headline? All right. So this is The Guardian, and police seize super obedient lookout parrot trained by Brazilian drug dealers. So this is a about a parrot that was trained by drug dealers to shout out when when police were coming, Mom, the police. That that's the actual Yes, it actually shouted. Mum, the police. Was when, that what tipped the police off to the fact that it was a, a drug parrot? No, they, well, they were already doing, they were doing a drug bust. And in the process of the drug bust, the parrot shouted, mum, the police over and over again. And I believe that the, that the people has actually escaped. Oh, so, oh, wait, they got away and parrot didn't? The parrot didn't. Okay. So the parrot was brought in. Okay. It was well, so what I'm what I'm getting at is, it's they shouldn't have they should have made it be something really obno- uh, um, innocuous because what? by saying "mum the police" when the police show up, yeah, no, it, it was kind of obvious, but the but the police already knew that this was the place. Okay, it, but the parrot who has not been named, great the parrot, sentence. The parrot who has not been named. A parrot has no name. <laughs> the parrot, who has not been named, was seized when officers swooped on a drug den run by a local couple. They think that the parrot was specifically trained as like a, a lookout. It, so what it, it was the lookout. I'm trying to picture the scene, and yeah. it's got to be inside, right? 
if it was out, the parrot can fly. No, no, no. I, I'm pretty sure that the parrot was in a cage. Oh, yeah, they do make bird cages. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. It was in, probably okay. in a bird cage in the window so that it could see see when police okay. were running up yeah. and shout, Mom, the police! Okay. <laughs> they brought the parrot in for questioning, and it has stayed completely silent. So they trained it really well. Yeah, exactly. This this bird don't snitch. Yeah. This bird, not a rat. Yeah. Now, here's my my theory. I'm pretty sure that the bird was actually the the ringleader the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. The bird was the mastermind. The bird made all the drug drug plans and, you know, it, it's it's people just, you know, now there went, is a th- went for it. Could the drug traffickers by any chance have worked into the parrot? That's a that's a good question. So I also noticed one other sentence that's just so choice. Please, um, the bird joins a growing list of animals implicated in Brazil's drug trade. <laughs> most have been reptiles. Almost, but the most. growing list. I want to see the list. Oh well, it, it right oh, after there we go. It, There's it, the it list. Says, In 2008, police seized two small alligators during a raid on a favela in. Western Rio de Janeiro, claiming local gangsters had fed their enemies to the animals. Yikes! I mean, that's not—that's not so much a lookout alligator. No, it isn't. We're gonna—we're gonna see whole syndicates made out of animals soon. Yeah, you know, there's you're, you're gonna have your your enforcers with the alligators. Well, Pablo Escobar—he um, kept hippopotamuses, hippopotami on. Really? His, yeah. What were they for? So I believe they were just pets but oh. he he introduced hippopotami to colombia i believe like, <laughs> like the hippopotami that exist in colombia can pretty much all be traced back to pablo escobar nice yeah they definitely are not native to uh, the americas yeah that's cool <laughs> so that was in an espn 30 for 30 documentary i saw nice yeah if you were a drug kingpin what would your animal of choice be Kingpin, like I'm the I'm the big boss. Yeah, you're the big boss. Okay. I mean, that's it's hard not to say lion. Lion is yeah. very popular but lion, with the boss. Lion's very that feels very showy. It does. Yeah, you know you. I think you would be more of a subtle kingpin. How much magic am I allowed to use? None. Okay. Zero magic. All right. That's a that's a bummer. Yeah, I mean, ma- talking giraffes would have been cool. You could have a giraffe with a parrot on its shoulder. <laughs> Oh, I'm allowed to, like, am I allowed to? Go? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give you a so twofer. To, to come full circle, am I allowed to do a cat dog sort of scenario? No. Okay. <laughs> that would also be. I can't graft two animals nope. onto one another? Uh-uh. Okay. You can't you do that. with the concept of a Fiji mermaid? I, I don't want to be. <laughs> okay, it's a P.T. Barnum sideshow attraction. Okay, great. I got would, it. Um, I, I already understand it. I know would, where we're going. Yeah, they would sew, he would sew a, um, mm. a fish bottom mm-hmm. onto a small um, mm. monkey to make it look no. like it was a mermaid. No, not you cool. see pictures? I don't. Okay. I'm good. I'll pass. No, you're not showing it to me. Here's pictures. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. God, that's awful. Put it away. Put it away. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, that's so bad. Yeah, all of them are screaming in terror. <laughs> Jesus. To to get a conclusion on the story of the parrot, apparently it has not said a word since its arrest. It has been brought to a zoo in which it will be uh, taught how to fly because, yes, it, oh. has, it has lived its whole life in a cage. Oh, okay. Uh, so it is, it is being taught how to fly, and it will be released 
back into the into the wild, which from there I can only assume it will gather new minions and uh, continue its wave of crime. So I think that's been our uh, weird story for yeah. this week. All right. What's our wiki of the week? We'll so, workshop that. We'll get a better name someday. Yeah. So I would like to play the game where you find the name of the Wikipedia article and tell me what you think ah, it is. Great. It's probably not going to, yeah, I don't want to tip my hand. So do you want me to click it? Oh, no, I, I have the just, name. Yeah. I have the name. Just get the name. Danbury Trashers. All right. Uh, Danbury is probably a town or something somewhere. Mm-hmm. And Trashers, did someone like throw out all their, their trash in Danbury? Okay, that's, the, so. Is that's, this Danbury, Connecticut? It is Danbury, Connecticut. Oh, good. <laughs> yes. So click on it if you would. Danbury Trashers are a defunct United Hockey League ice hockey team that was located in Danbury, Connecticut. UHL? Uh, yeah, it's some sort of minor league hockey. This is a hockey team with a mascot that is just a trash can. So it's it, it, the mascot is a trash can because the owner of the team was James Galante. And I say was, um, past tense, very... Um, very deliberate. So he was a general man- manager. Was AJ Galante? Yes, his seventeen relation? his seventeen year old son. <laughs> yes. Okay. I think that uh, I've jumped. I think I've jumped the story a little bit. Yes. So James Galante <laughs> was a well is a um, associate of the Genovese crime family. So um, <laughs> member of the mafia yes. who bought a minor league hockey team for his son to manage. That is so, amazing. Uh, I've come up with a bit of an analogy to see it to get to hopefully allow you to understand the story better. Whitey Bulger, you're familiar with him? I am. Yeah. So this would be if like if Whitey Bulger bought the Pawtucket Red Sox <laughs> to give his son Doug experience in <laughs> Doug managing Bulger. a baseball team. Yes. Oh, great. I looked that up. <laughs> oh, wait, you actually, that's his actual name. Yeah, he died wow. at the age of six because he was allergic to aspirin. It's a much oh, sadder no. story. <laughs> oh, no, that is a much sadder story. Yeah, yeah. so. So, uh, once. So we've covered the founding um, yes. a little bit. So is James it- Galante um, purchased the team to, <laughs> this is a little quirk. Um, he founded the team on April, April 1st. April 1st, 2004. Yeah. Meaning, that is great. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people around the United Hockey League thought that it was an April Fool's Day joke. <laughs> but no, it is not. Um, so he bought it to give his son, AJ, experience in managing a minor league hockey team. They were named the Trashers, which um, was a reference to James Galanti's main business, which... Uh, the family business being uh, garbage collection. Uh, is that the business or is that the cover? That's the, well, that's the cover. Yes. Uh, I see. We'll get there. <laughs> um, so James Galante envis- envisioned the team having a bad boy image. Um, so they – it was also convenient because apparently there was an NHL lockout um, during the 2004-2005 season, which let, let allowed them to pick up some – um, actual pro players, including Brent Gretzky. Oh, no. Is he related to Wayne Gretzky? He is the brother of Wayne ah. Gretzky. So Brent Gretzky played briefly in the NHL, and um, he and his brother are the pair of siblings who have scored the most points in the NHL. Wow. Brent Gretzky has scored um, four goal- four points in the NHL. So they actually so they, did, they, they were a good team. Well, yeah, I mean, Brent Gretzky doesn't sound like he was that good. He wasn't. Well, yeah, but it was. It's it's as if uh, you got uh, uh, Colin Hanks. 
<laughs> if you've got because Tom Tom Hanks's brother does. Oh, that's voice. true. Yeah, Tom Hanks's brother does the voice of Woody for like toys. For, for, uh, Tom Hanks's brother d- does the voice uh, for, of Woody for Kingdom Hearts. Does he? Yeah. He also in the Turner and Hooch episode of Scrubs, Tom Hanks's brother plays the Turner part. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah. yeah. Jim Hanks. It's Jim. It's Jim. <laughs> Jim. Of course, it's Jim. So it's it's like you got Jim Hanks yeah. uh, for your your hockey team. Yeah, uh, he might be able to do all the voices, but no one's going to be that impressed if he shows up. Yeah. Uh, on, uh, well, I think they were impressed because um, if you look at their like actual playing record, they started playing around five hundred hockey. And then they went on a seven-game unbeaten streak that moved them into first place. The bad boy image kind of took off in a big way because they had two full-scale brawls during their first season. Nice. Um, Isn't that just any hockey game? I don't watch hockey. I don't know. I So I think the difference between a hockey brawl and a fight is I think a fight is typically two – I have no – I <laughs> do not know this for a fact at all. You're, you're – you're, doing so well you're being so confident i'm assuming that a fight is two players yeah, and a and brawl, a brawl involves like everybody much of the team that um, sounds during great. one of the brawls james galanti <laughs> the owner of the team got into a shouting match and um his 17 year old son didn't get into the fight i don't know if the 17 year old son could do a whole lot oh yeah so um James Galanti went down to ice level and punched one of the linemen <laughs> of the opposing team uh-huh. <laughs> that's great yeah. <laughs> so they made the playoffs their first season. Wow. Yeah. It, it's po- it, it sounds like they came in with a lot of money. They probably. So we'll get to the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were playing a lot of games with the salary cap. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they won their first playoff series um, and then they lost their second one. Um, so they made it to the second round of the playoffs their first season. Um, and then the second season, they did even better. Um, they made it to the finals their second season. Wow. Yeah. Um, and they lost to the Kalamazoo Wings. Yeah. What is the last paragraph? Um, what's the heading for that? It is controversy and end of the treasures. So I wasn't able to determine this. I'm pretty sure James Galanti is still in prison. Uh, but he was in June of 20, 2006, James Galanti was charged with 72 count. Cal- uh, 72 charges, including racketeering. Wire fraud was another one. He was sentenced to 87 months of imprisonment, so he might not be. So the Trashers circumvented the United Ho- Hockey League's $275,000 annual salary cap by uh, giving players and their wives positions within his family business, the Trash Company. Nice. Um, so they... We estimate that the Trashers exceeded the salary cap by $475,000, making their total payroll closer to $750,000. Yep. I'm seeing here that in part of the uh, settlement, when he was going to jail, he agreed to forfeit a horse farm he bought for a former girlfriend. Very generous of him. Six racing cars. Bummer for the girlfriend. Bummer for the girlfriend. Yeah. Six racing cars, a racing trailer, and $448,000 in cash that federal agent seized in 2006. And he must pay at least $1.6 million in back taxes to the IRS. He did not admit to other acts federal authorities first accused him of, including extortion, 
Attempted arson and kidnapping. Attempted arson is always a good one. You just can't get the bick to work. Yeah. Um, so that's the Danbury Trashers. One thing I forgot is they the Danbury Trashers played in, I believe, the Danbury Ice Arena. The Danbury Ice Arena was a 750-seat ice rink, and it did not meet the minimum uh, capacity requirement for the United Hockey League. So uh, James Galanti spent an additional $1.5 million to renovate the arena into a 3,000 seat facility. Jeez. Yes. So he put, I mean, he put a lot of money and effort into giving his 17 year old son a hockey team. Yeah. He must have really liked that kid. Yeah. As the 33 men involved in the case were summarily indicted and tried, authorities confirmed Ianello was paid a quarterly mob tax, $30,000 for his services, and Galanti was indicted in 2006 on charges of paying a mob tax to Ianello. So yeah, among those also indicted with him uh, as a result of the investigation were former Waterbury Mayor Joseph Santo Pietro, former division manager of Diversified Waste, and... Bonanno crime family enforcer Robert Taget, federal drug enforcement agent Louis Angioletti, and several of Galanti's underlings and former Danbury Trashers hockey coach H. Todd Sterling. So even the coach got a. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the coach would have to, you would have to. The coach would probably have to be in on it. Yeah. Wow. The indictment included allegations that Galanti and others conspired to commit arson and kidnapping by damaging a truck owned by one of Galanti's competitors and by kidnapping the driver of that truck at gunpoint. Wow. That's some serious trash he went trash to, game. There, there is a way to read this as a very devoted father. There is. He went to great lengths to realize his son's dream of <laughs> owning a minor league hockey team. Yeah, and... In the end, it's part of what brought him down. Yeah. <laughs> if only they didn't love his son so much. I one thing I do want to know is the the thing on the logo, if that exists in mascot form. We do not have a mascot. No. <laughs> we have <laughs> children's toys. <laughs> no way. I want one. Can, do you think we can get one on eBay? Danbury Trashers. First. Yeah, surprisingly, uh, surprisingly reasonable. How much? What What would you be willing to pay for this? I'd be willing to pay thirty. Twenty nine ninety five. Shit. Plus four fifty shipping. Oh no, that's over my. That's your. That's your. That's a. It's a. Much, it's a hard thirty. I don't. I don't dabble with negotiation. Well, I know that it's out there. I might get it someday. Are we good on the wiki of the week? I think that's. I think that we know now know everything we need to know about the Danbury Trashers. Yeah, I I hope that my knowledge of minor league hockey doesn't like nothing adds to my knowledge of minor league hockey from here. Yeah. What? I hope I don't know. I hope in my life I don't learn anything more about minor league hockey. That's a good goal to have. Yeah. In fact, I think that that is my new life's mission. Do you um do you want to get some uh, aluminum foil over here for what so that we can wrap it up? Oi! Yes, let us wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening. And with that, we're going to do one. Oh yes, final article. So this is more for the picture. Oh dear God! Rangers find three-eyed snake in Australian outback. Oh, the picture went away.
Go scroll oh, down. Okay, it's not as horrifying as I thought. It Are was you kidding me? That is well, utterly horrifying. Okay, now that I this is a snake with two eyes on the side of its head and one in the center. That is a scary. When snake. When I saw it in my periphery, it looked like a sort of miscellaneous blob. And now that I'm looking at it, I do see that it is vaguely snake shaped, and that's less awful. It has a third eye. Okay, well, you have a third eye too. You just need to squeegee it. Fair enough. Thank you again for listening. That is our show. I am Lowell. And I am Aiden. And have a great week. Thank you, and have a pleasant good night.